privilege and a pleasure for us to have over from Australia the founder of the network that we were part of and the former pastor of this church, along with her husband, Rick. And uh, you are amazing. You're an inspiration to us. Bev mentors Nikki and I like nobody else in our lives. We are who we are because of the investment that she and Rick has made into us. And so I honor you and I invite you to the platform this morning. Good morning, everyone. Oh no, he took the chocolate with him. So how's everyone doing? Great. That's, that's, this morning when I was worshipping, I felt like the Lord said to me, you're going to ruffle some feathers this morning. So I just want to say, please don't walk out. If you could just wait till the end, it might sort of get better. So um, I, I love the fact that I'm here for two occasions. One is the theme further. And I I love the fact that you guys have been looking at going further and the message that I'm going to preach is about what it is to let the body of Christ extend out as far as it can possibly go. And the second thing is about how amazing our Father is and how overwhelmingly willing He is to welcome whomever, the whosoever. And so for me, just to be able to talk about those things you know, I have um, eight children. So I didn't start, I didn't actually give birth to eight, but the four I've got are married, so there's eight of them. And I've got 12 grandchildren. And, and my husband, all of those I've, I've loved all my life, and they, they're the passion in my life in that way. But I want to tell you that the call on my life and the passion that I'm called to is the church. I love the church. I love the church with all my heart. I love the church with everything. I've tried to lay down my life for the church, to live for the church, for what God is doing through the church and to make the church into a beautiful bride. And it's my fervent hope that I will also die for the church. For me, that will be the completion of a circle. So whatever you do, if you hear that I died on some foreign territory at some point, don't say, oh, no, how terrible. Truly, I mean that. I, you know, just, I can feel that everybody's like, oh, no, she's already ruffled feathers. Anyway, Father, I, I pray for ears to hear, all of us, me too, pray for ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. In this time where church is irrelevant in so many ways to how the, the world sees us. And that's a good thing because it means we have to actually reach out instead of just taking for granted that people are Christian. In a world where our politics are broken and our morals are broken and our values are broken and our families and marriages and everything that, that we value are just coming under such shaking and shuddering. You are the answer, Lord. You are our answer. And the church is the representative of Jesus Christ to the world. So we are the answer. And so within that, Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, What's the bit that I have to press again? Double tap. Nope, that ain't it. It just disappeared. So anyway, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse... Look, see, it's over there, isn't it? (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It's one of my, like, most favourite... Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Most favourite verses. And, And it's a time when Peter is speaking to the people who have become the church, who didn't used to be the church. And he says, but you, and and he's speaking to you, he's speaking to you, he's not just speaking in the Bible, but you are a chosen race or a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation, a people uh, for his own possession." that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Now, this is the bit that I want to talk about. Once you were not 
a people. But now, that's like a race. Once you are not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Now, one dictionary definition of the word people is members of a particular nation or a community or an ethnic group. And it goes on to say a race, a tribe, a clan, an ethnic group, a strain, a caste, a country, a population, a populace. You know, we who were never related to each other, and maybe if we went if we checked our DNA, we'd find that most of us don't have any connections. We are the people of God. We are a chosen race. We belong together. We are more we than anybody else could ever be, even your family, even your blood family. We are a people called out by God from darkness. Now, can anybody tell me who is the average Christian? No, I'm not going to ask you to tell me. I'm going to show you who the average Christian is. Not that bit. The average Christian is a woman in her mid-30s living on the African continent. That's the average Christian across the world. The second average Christian is Asian. The third average Christian is South, um, South American. We are not the average Christian. Just so you know, that's absolutely, you know, that's statistics. We think because we've got the most money and the biggest buildings and the best music and the best instruments, we think we're pretty well the average Christian. We look at Hillsong and we buy the, the albums or, or, and we think that's the average Christian. No, that ain't the average Christian. It's not the most wealthy Christian, but it's the average Christian. Those ladies... If you took a mean average of everybody, every Christian across the world, those ladies are in the very center. You know that, Janet, don't you? And so Western nations are in the minority as far as Christianity is concerned. And yet regardless of the external differences, we are the people of God, the tribe, the tribe of people that Jesus has redeemed. Western Christians think that we are the essence of what Christian and church actually are, but our nations are so wealthy that they no longer see the need for faith or for Christ. So we ain't, we ain't your average Christian. We, we are the, the, we're the minority. And actually, I just want to say this. I'm not going to go where some of you think I'm going to go with this message. I'm, I'm not going there. The thing about it is that God doesn't have any grandchildren. And just because you may have been baptized into a Christian church does not make a person a Christian. The only thing that makes a person... Nobody is a Christian because their parents were a Christian. It's a, it's a deliberate decision. Every Christian made their own decision to become a member of that exclusive tribe, a people who once were not a people. The church is the most exclusive group in the world. The only people who can belong to that supernatural body of people, and I don't mean people who were christened and baptized as babies, and I don't mean people who try to live good lives. That, that's not what I'm talking about because that's not Christian. But the only people who can belong to that supernatural, exclusive body of people are the ones who have by their own will said, I want to become a Christian. I know that Jesus died for the things that I've done wrong and I receive freedom from sin that comes from his death and his resurrection. When a person makes that decision, that person who was once not a part of a people are now one of the people of God. But not only is the church the most exclusive group in the world, it's also the most inclusive group in the world because anyone can belong. Murderers, gossips, abusive people, idiots, insignificant people. Some of you know that to be true. <laughs> 
Insignificant people, old people, homeless people, adulterers, politicians, refugees, stockbrokers, alcoholics, house husbands, pornographers and addicts, addicts to por pornography, addicts to other things, people who try their hardest but can't seem to get a break, obscenely rich people, dirt poor people, intelligent people, people who can't seem to add two and two and get the right answer. There's no exam to pass and none of us is rich enough to buy our way into that elite group. There's no criteria to, criterion to fulfill except that you know that you fit the bill when you say Jesus Christ died to save sinners and that's me. That's the only criterion. The moment that each one of us acknowledges that no matter how hard I've tried, I can never be good enough to earn my salvation. At that point, we become part of the community. We become one of the saints of God. We who once were not a people are now a tribe and a community who belong together. We're a new species. We're a people who've been born again. Now, when I was a young Christian, and I became a Christian when I was 22, and I'm 67 now, so that means 45 years. Is that right? Mathematicians out there? Yeah. So when I became a Christian, one of the primary instructions that we received, one of, one of the greatest instructions, one of the most hard-pressing instructions that we received when we became Christians about how to be a really good Christian this is where the ruffling feathers bit comes in, is about who to stay away from. Who to stay away from. So in our context, that meant anybody who practiced yoga. <laughs> I mean it. Tai Chi, iridology, who went to a chiropractor or a homeopath or a naturopath, they're all new age people. You have to stay away from them. Anybody who followed a different religion, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, Anybody that you suspected might be a witch, stay away from them. And atheists and agnostics and psychiatrists, psychologists, counsellors, and don't even get me started on people with tattoos. <laughs> so the teachings of those times, which I, you know, I ascribe to because that's all I knew, the teachings of those times were absolutely heretical. It was heresy that was being taught to the people of God in the churches there. The premise of that was that we were the clean and everybody else was the unclean. And it was vital that the clean not get infected by the unclean. Being too close with somebody who might be a witch or somebody who might you know, not be Christian or, or somebody that was an adulterer. And it's a wonder that so many of us actually hung in there. Because the truth of it is that so much of what we believed then was built on our collective pride and fear, disguised as religious truth. Fear, fear-mongering, disguised as religious truth. We were God's people. But we were far more confused than we knew as to how and why we belonged to God. And that showed in our prejudices about who we had to keep away from. So let me explain to you why that thinking is completely wrong. In the Old Testament days, there were strict laws around the religious, um, the religious aspects of being a good God worshipper especially for the priests, but for everybody. There's strict laws. Anybody who wanted to bring an effective sacrifice had to bring really, had to follow strict laws. They had to wear certain clothes. They couldn't go near people who were sick or dead. They couldn't be intimate with their wife. Some of them shaved their heads or fasted for long periods. And if something happened, like their father dropped dead or they got diarrhea, their sacrifice was, became completely null and they had to begin again. Because the unclean always infected and affected the clean. So that was, that was the way it was. To please God, they had to begin all over again. And then something amazing happened, and that was that God came to earth as a man. And he overturned all that. The sinless one came and fulfilled all the laws 
that were impossible for us to follow, that were completely impossible for us to manage, but he died for, to save sinners like us, and he took our sin on himself when he hung on that terrible cross. And so his perfect person, body and soul, became the rapist, became the murderer, became the pedophile, became the gossiper, became the spiteful person, became the liar, became the cheat, became the politician, became the abuser, became the addict, became his perfect person as he was on that cross, became all of those things that we look and think, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but gosh, I wouldn't do that. He, he took that. He became, he became that. It wasn't just that it was overlaid over the top of his skin. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's, that's what the Bible says. So every sin ever committed in the past, in the present, and in the future was poured out onto this perfect sinless person, sent by his Father because the Father loves us and took it all. So the thing that you're most ashamed of, and you, it comes straight into your mind as soon as I said it, that, you don't have to pay for that. Now here's the good bit. From that point, anyone who comes face to face with Jesus' sacrifice can know that our utter inability to be good enough doesn't matter because he was good enough for all of us. So instead of the clean being infected and polluted by the unclean, the clean touches the unclean and the unclean becomes clean. Isn't that, that's like I could live and die for that. That's just that one thing, that all my uncleanness, every single thing, clean, it's touched. And I'm clean. I don't have to worry about being infected because I'm made, I'm not clean because of myself, because I've managed to actually somehow manage to not commit adultery and somehow managed not to get addicted to pornography and somehow got away with telling lies sometimes. I, that's not why I'm clean. I'm clean because, because I was unclean and the clean touched the unclean. That's just like, instead of being infected and polluted, the reverse happens. And so from then on, everybody who will choose Jesus and make the choice to carry the kingdom. I mean, I don't mean just go down to a strip club and look at the strippers and, and think, okay, I'm, you know. I don't mean that. I mean, everybody who knows that they are a carrier of the kingdom and wherever they go, they carry the kingdom and they carry the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of witches or Muslims or Hindus or New Age people or any other thing. Because the clean touches the unclean, and the unclean is affected by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It cannot, it's like a shield. It can't, we, we can't be, you know, like a demon's going to jump on you. No, because the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is a force field. Because as long as we think that we're more clean than them because of something good that we've done, we'll never see that people who follow other religions or other faiths or no religion or, or whatever, we will never see that they're seekers who are groping blindly around trying to find a way to worship God. You know, when I was 11 years old, I used to go, I wanted to know God and I used to go across to the cenotaph on the railway station trying to sort of work out God and just, I'd stand in front of that cenotaph and I'd, I'd say, they shall grow not old as we that are left grow old, age shall not weary them. I used to say that because it sounded like a prayer. But actually what I needed was for somebody to come to this naughty girl and tell her that Jesus loved her. I'm not naughty because I was standing in front of the cenotaph. I was just straight out naughty all by myself, you know, I didn't. <laughs> and so... Anybody who makes the choice to carry the, the kingdom of God wherever they go, there's no possibility of being, being made unclean by anyone or anyone 
anyone or anything that you come into contact with because Jesus laid down his life, the unclean becomes clean. And it's cleanness that is catching, especially in a world like this. It's not uncleanness. When we deliberately will go wherever we go, even into Tesco's, even on the train, when we deliberately go knowing I'm a carrier of the kingdom, I'm not just walking in by myself. I'm a different species. I once wasn't one of the people of God, but now I'm part of the tribe, part of the community that carries the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Christians don't have to be afraid of catching sin. Sin comes from within us, the Bible says. Sin's our choices to look at pornography or to cheat on our income tax or our wife or our husband. You know, sin comes from the inside. It doesn't come from the outside. It's not a catching thing. And so it's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that was effective if our intention is to represent Christ rather than the laws or the values or the morals or the ideologies. We will take cleanness wherever we go. So people will know and they will feel as we interact with them, regardless of whether we say anything about Jesus Christ or, or not. It's not our good moral values or because we inspire trust and love in other people. It's because we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power in our lives is from God and not from our niceness or our charisma or our innate popularity. We're never called to be moralizers. We're not called to be morale boosters for the kingdom of God. We're called to be his people, makers of disciples of Jesus Christ. So Ravi Zacharias said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. And he didn't come to make good people better. He came to bring dead people to life. And that was me at 22 years old. And that was all of us who know who Jesus is. So don't forget that. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. And so one of a Christian's greatest needs is to understand that we personally are recipients of a gift of grace which is overwhelmingly undeserved. And that's why and how we can take the fullness of Christ into every aspect of our lives and the unclean can become clean because this is the point. Religion always judges. Don't go near them because, don't do that because... Better watch out for that. Don't let them in. Religion always judges. Religion is a fear monger. Religion is a fear monger. And I've made a decision in my life that I am not going to be bound by fear. I will not be bound by fear. And all of us as Christians need to make that decision because fear is a spirit that's been released over the earth like sexuality has, like sex has. It's released over the earth and it's causing this, this incredible vortex of fear to just go around. But the Christian is the one that follows. The, we are the people who follow the one who says, perfect love casts out. What? Perfect love casts out. All. All fear. Now, when none of us have got that. I haven't got it. None of us have got it that it's all gone. I know what it is to have that deep thing rise up in my stomach and, and, and I have to, think, have to do battle with it. I don't mean we don't do battle with it, but I'll tell you something, that religious, religion judges and it isolates people and it separates people, but Christ lovers reach out, reach up. Yesterday, Pete was speaking at the Skylark Pastors Day and he was talking about the call on Skylark International go up and out and about the, did you talk about the rocket here? No, well, I'll, I'll leave it to you to talk about it, but it's astonishing. And so we're called to go up and out. We're called to reach further. We're called to go beyond. And we're called to do our father's business. We, I don't know if you were ever in a family business, but you know what it's like if you, if you were that your mum or your dad was running a business and you got to a certain age and they said, do you want to help me in the family business? Well, our Father says to us, we who once were not a people are now the people of God, I want you to come and help me in the family business. We're going to grow it. Let's grow this family business, he says to us. And we get that choice. So the difficulty with keeping a revelation of being a people is that human beings love containers. We build boxes to identify ourselves, but we end up getting confined by those boxes. 
You know, we, we put labels on each other so we know who we're talking about. But we're confined by our own labels. Jesus was an impossibility. He was an oxymoron. And an oxymoron is two words together that cancel each other out like a weak strength. Well, I do actually have a weak strength, but, you know, <laughs> I've got very strong sons and I've got a weak strength. But he was an oxymoron, lion, lamb, death, resurrection, suffering God, a suffering God. That doesn't sound right. That's why no matter how educated or spiritually aware or intelligent we may be, we can never really understand Jesus. We can never really understand. We experience things and then we build our doctrine and our culture around them and we take what we know and what happened to us and we say, this is who he is. Believe this or you're not a proper Christian. But there's so much about God that we don't know and we don't know that we don't know it and most of the time we don't want to know either. We don't bother looking beyond our own little experiences to see what it is to be a people set apart, different from the world. We want our box. We want our pet doctrines that say this is who God is and therefore this is who we are as his people. But Ephesians 10 says to us that through the church, through the church, his intention is that now, everybody say now, 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 that means not yesterday, that means not 1957, that means not, in, not 1996, but, and we came here in 1996. But I tell you what, this thing that you guys are building is far and away beyond anything that we could have, have done because it's line upon line and it's a now thing. So you do the now and we did the now and they're doing the now and you're doing the now. So that his intention was that now through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be shown to all the principalities and powers and rulers of dark places in the air. So the spiritual realms that are against, they need to see by the way that the church operates. They need to see the wisdom of God. They need to be looking at the church and think, whoa, that's the wisdom of God. Not, oh gosh, they've got another program. That's us. You know, the principalities and powers will see the multifaceted wisdom of God through us. So think of the world's largest diamonds. It's got so many facets that you can't see the entire stone altogether. God's people are like that. We have so many facets. And no local church or single church network can show all the facets. But we, the tribe, together, the church across the world, is able to show God's astonishing wisdom, not just to the world, but also to the enemy. So those powers and principalities, they're not just pesky little demons that somebody who's got enough understanding of faith can cast out. They're not just spiritual forces that you feel the pressure of when you're going to go into a new thing. Those rulers of wickedness in dark places are massive forces which are determined to ruin the world that God created and the people that he, all the people that he loves, not just the Christians all the people that he loves. So our beautiful planet right now is being ruined by racism, by consumerism, by war, by extreme political forces, by violence and obsession with perfection, by religion, by politicized religion, by extreme political views, by mental illness and confusion and devastation of the planet. All manner of ugly and destructive philosophies, that's the principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness that are coming against, are coming against the, the, the people that God loves. And through the church, through the church. Oh, I needed to say something to John Yarnold. Where are you? You're a rock star. You really are. Oh, I love that. I just love that. You just got right into it. I just thought you were going to do a Freddie Mercury across the stage with the... It was, it was just awesome. I loved it. Anyway, yeah. So the point is God mandates his people to be different, to not be afraid of being made unclean, to express the diversity of God without fear and in such a way that the rulers of wickedness are stopped in their tracks. I think... Um, where are the Alloways? Where are the... Oh, yeah, right there. 
I think big love is something that is making the spiritual principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in Romania go, whoa, what's happening? And you're doing things like that. All over, you might be doing that just in your office when that person is so mean to you and you respond by, by being kind and by smiling. That makes the spiritual forces go, whoa. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go to Romania and get a whole lot of, you know, gather a whole lot of money and support together. What you, all we need to be doing is hearing from God and doing that thing because we who once were not a people are now the people of God. And we are the, are the people through whom God's going to show the enemy what, what Jesus Christ looks like. And we've got our weaknesses. Yes, we do. But God mandates us to, do, to express his diversity without fear. And we've got a way to go, yes, to make that happen worldwide. But I'll tell you what, up close and personal, there are being millions of interactions happening every day where people encounter Christians and see a tiny facet of who God is and choose to, because those people are choosing to live true to what they said they believed. See, God doesn't have our prejudices. That's a surprise. I mean, just say this in case you didn't know, God's not white. God's not male. I mean, that's bad on Father's Day, but I just want to tell you, <laughs> God, is, God is God. He's, he, he, he says male and female created he them in his image, right? So, you know, there's that whole thing. Like, I don't think God's got genitals. Sorry if you're embar embarrassed by me saying that. But we, we sort of have put God into this box that we feel like he fits into. God's much bigger than our boxes, and he's much bigger than our prejudices. And so I spoke, yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, God, you are great, you know. He is really great. And so I spoke at a conference in Turkey a number of years ago, and there were women from Central Asia all over the Stan countries, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan and all that. And I met this lady. Her husband was the head of a, of a Christian denomination in one of those nations, I felt today that the Lord told me not to actually say the word of it just in case it ever gets a problem for her. But her husband was the head of one of the denominations. She was nothing because she was a woman. But, you know, the country she lives in is a huge Central Asian country. And God had put on her heart the Muslim women. So she, used to, she didn't have a car. She used to get, in her, in, get a lift from somebody who might be going to some distant city. She'd get a lift and she'd go to that distant city and she'd meet with these Muslim women. She'd bring them to Christ. Then she'd do it there and she'd do it there and she'd do it there. And then every time she found somebody who was going back to that city, she'd go back and she'd meet with those Muslim Christian women. With those Muslim Christian women. Because they were Muslim for a whole lot of reasons, including tradition and including the fact that Maybe there's no other choices under their circumstances, but they were all followers of Jesus Christ. And that woman had little churches of Muslim Christian women all over that nation. Do, is there room in our lives to see that that's the church? Is there room in our understanding, in our paradigm, to see that that's what the church looks like? We who once were not a people are now the people of God. Our context of faith has to be far deeper and wider and higher and fuller than we could ever experience this side of heaven. And yet God has called us to be aware and to care and to pray, to have ownership with the rest of the tribe. Here are some of the rest of the tribe. North Korea, underground churches, Multiple thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians have disappeared, never to be heard of again. We who once were not a people belong with those people. They're our sisters and they're our brothers. Syria, churches being destroyed and Christians being killed constantly. Pakistan, Christians murdered on trumped-up charges. And I'm not blaming the countries, by the way. Um, this is not about let's all, you know, go against the Sudanese. or anything. That's not what I'm saying. Because we've all, you know, Christianity and the West has, has done some absolutely terrible, abysmal things. Sudan, one of the worst regions in the world for killing Christians. China, people meeting underground in caves, standing room only for hours and hours, worshipping God 
and learning about Christ for hours and hours, standing room only. And their lives are on the line because of it. And then this one, Libya, mass assassinations. Do you know, those people, all they had to do was say, we're not going to follow Christ anymore. But we who once were not a people are now the people of God. That was real. Their faith, their belief in Jesus Christ was real. There was a woman called Miriam, Dr. Miriam Ibrahim that was, was taken captive quite heavily pregnant in Sudan about five years ago. And she was put into jail until she, until she um, embraced Islam again. Now remember, I'm not saying, this is not a rant against any other religion. If you get that from me, you got completely the wrong thing. This is about Christians. And so she was in jail and she, she ended up giving birth with her legs in chains in jail on a concrete floor. And all she had to do was say, I renounce Jesus Christ, but she didn't. We think, you know, that scripture in Hebrews that talks about some, you know, some amazing things happen with people by faith and some people died by faith. All over the world, our brothers and our sisters are dying by faith. They're dying by faith. And then they're living by faith. So we think we're persecuted when people laugh at us at work. We do. Do you know who's doing the killing and destroying? This is the part that I want you to take with you. It isn't the Muslims and it isn't the Hindus and it isn't the witches and it isn't the Christians because sometimes it's Christians that are doing that. It isn't that. They're not the ones that are doing that. It's the simplistic. For, so for us, just let me say this, it's simplistic and ignorant and lacking spiritual awareness to say that it's other belief systems and other religions that are doing that. Because many of the people, of those people in those nations are being destroyed by this so, those same evil regime. And in other days and in other times, it was Christians doing that. I don't know whether you know this, but Martin Luther, our great hero of faith, continually incited the church against the Jews to murder, like, you know, to murder. I, I, could, I could just rattle off to you 15 names of people we respect. So it, it, isn't, it isn't those ideologies that are coming against Christianity. The destruction on this earth is being perpetrated by the destroyer, the destroyer of our souls, his hand is over all the hatred and the deception and the vicious enmity and the bloodshed and the torture and destruction that's happening on our beautiful planet. And as soon as we narrow it down to say that it's a certain people group who are responsible, we show that we lack revelation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our place among his people. Because our enemies change. 50 years ago, it was Germany or 60 or 70 or Japan. 50 years ago, it was communist Russia. Before that, it was Japan and um, Germany. We've always, got a different, we've always got a different enemy. But the church can't afford to get on the back of who the world says is now our enemy and go with that. The church must not do that because God is calling the church to show principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness what it is to be a representative of Jesus Christ on this earth today. And if we get on the bandwagon of some political fear-mongering, we are absolutely showing that we do not know who Jesus is and we do not know who he came for and we do not know who he is for us. We, have, we cannot, we cannot do that. Hello, Baba. We cannot do that. There will always be another enemy. We divide ourselves off by what our eyes see and what our ears hear. And we label ourselves and each other by our skin colour, by our accents, by our financial differences. But God does not do that. Now, let me tell you who God sees. We've got all these labels. I mean, you've got 
there's labels everywhere. You can say the LBGTIQ community, and you can say the transgender people, and you can say disabled people, and you can say Muslims, and you can say witches, and you can say people who hate God, and you can say we've got these labels, and we put them in ourselves in neat little boxes when we do that. We're in this box, they're in that box, and never the twain shall meet. Let me tell you what God sees when he looks. He sees saints and sinners. Just two kinds of people. Saints are the people who knew that they were sinners and came to Jesus Christ and said, I know that I'm a sinner. I need you to be my saviour. Forgive my sins. And he did. That's, That's a saint. A sinner is everybody else. They don't have, hello, they don't have, God doesn't have labels. There's no labels in heaven, isn't it? Like, okay, that's the Muslim Christian section over there. These are the Baptists. You know, he's not that. He does, he's not doing that. He says, I see two kinds of people. I see the saints and I see the sinners. She's fine. So the saints aren't perfect people. I don't need to tell you that. You know that yourself. Saint is given to the name, is the name given to the people whom God has restored to righteousness, right standing with him through the blood of Jesus Christ and to everyone else of those who don't know that yet. And we, the church, have a responsibility. We, who once were not a people. I went through the first 22 years of my life and part of it I was trying to work out if there was a God and if he cared. But I didn't know it. And I've spent the last 45 years getting to know him and getting increasing revelation that it's never going to be about how good I am because all you have to do is go to my family and they'll tell you how good I'm not. And and I only have to go to your family and they'll do the same. But we have a responsibility, we who once were not a people but who are now the people of God, to reach up, reach out, reach down, reach through whatever bars and barriers are created by our fear and the fear-mongering of all those who are around us and our need to be safe and our need to make sure that everything's okay and we need to connect with whomever God brings us in the way of but who needs Jesus and doesn't know it yet. So that's, that's anybody, you know, that's anybody. We panicking about our money and about migrants and about refugees and about our jobs and about the people who moved in next door who yell at each other all the time. And we, we all the, we've got all this stuff, but I tell you what, if we could come back to saints, sinners, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that, that the clean came and made the unclean clean, and that if it happened with me, I can get it to happen with somebody else. If, 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 if somebody came to me who was clean and brought cleanness to me because they showed Jesus Christ to me and I became different because of that, then maybe I can go and do that same thing and it won't matter if they're wearing an abaya or a turban or, or, or goth clothes or got tattoos everywhere or whatever, ever, whatever, ever. It won't matter. If we will know that thing about God calling this church to reach out further because there's a Father who cares about more people than just us. That, that we've got to reach, a God. I'm just going to read you this, this, this um, verse because I, I love this verse. Rise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth. It does. We look, the things that are happening out there are overwhelming. We scroll past because we can't bear it. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you. Kings, rulers will come to your rising. Kings will come to the brightness of your rising. I want to tell you, it used to be bad news for the church when everybody got baptised and grew up believing they were Christian because then they were inoculated, like you get a, you know, a polio inoculation. They were inoculated against ever hearing who Jesus is. We are so much better off now that we, have, we are surrounded by people who don't know Jesus and don't think they even care, but they've got longings in their hearts. 
They've got longings. They're crippled by debt or they're crippled by addictions or they're crippled by a sense of not being good enough or, or whatever. Those people out there who don't know who Jesus is, we're just like, okay, well, you know, nothing we can say to them because they're clearly not interested. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. You know, ask the Lord what, what he could do, how he could do it. Because this is the thing, the church across the world is completely different. The little church that's determined to shine the light of Jesus Christ in Battlebridge, Essex, is completely different from the church in Turkey or one of those Central Asian nations where the ladies wearing a bias are worshipping Jesus. It's completely different from Holy Trinity Brompton. It's completely different from Skylark. The church, it doesn't have to look the same. What it has to do is have revelation. We, who once were not a people, are now an amazing tribe, a people of God, who don't have to be afraid of anything, who definitely don't have to be afraid of catching uncleanness, like as if we were clean. I mean, like as if, like, let me just say this. Just today, think about how you've been today. Are you clean enough if, that was, if it's up to you? So catching uncleanness isn't a problem. We're not that clean ourselves. We're a bit grubby. It's only because the Lord lays his blood over our lives and cleanses us from our sin. We, we, we who once were not a people but are now the people of God, we are people who can go out without being afraid of being made unclean. And we can ask the Lord for strategies to touch all the rest of those people, and there's a few of them, they outnumber us. Further, we're going further. God's called us. We're different. We didn't have anything in common once. Maybe we still don't have. The challenge, should you choose to accept it, is to know it and to live it. To know it and to live it. We who once were not a people are now the people of God. It was God's intention that now through the church, he would show his multifaceted wisdom to everything else out there. That I'm a saint and I don't have to be afraid of people wearing different costumes or having different color skin or having different sexuality or having any of the other things. All I have to do is reach out knowing that when the clean touches the unclean, the unclean can be made clean. Those things, that's all you have to, I could have just said those three things and left it with you, but we're different. When we reach out like that, we'll change our world. I'm telling you, our world needs changing. It's terrible. We're in a state. And, and it isn't politics. Listen, let me tell you, I don't care how you vote. It's not going to make a difference. Politics isn't help. Certainly in our nation it doesn't. I don't think it helps in any nations. But when we choose not to respond to fear-mongering, but live determinedly, following the God whose perfect love casts out all fear, we find ourselves increasingly free to love him and serve him by loving the people that he died to reach. We, the Christian, we, the church, we represent him. This further theme, how much further? How much further? How much further can you go? Can you reach beyond the people group that you're part of and comfortable with and find a way of showing Jesus Christ by loving someone in this, that the society tells you you should be afraid of? Father, Father, we're so short on what we need. We're so short on revelation. We're so short on understanding. Lord, it's so difficult for our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And yet, Lord, in this time you say, rise, shine, for your light has come. And there's this understanding in our hearts. Oh, Lord, let there be this understanding in our hearts that the light doesn't shine from something that we've generated for ourselves, but it shines from this everlasting, astonishing light. That, that's what it says in Revelations. It says, and they won't need the sun anymore or the moon because the Lord God himself, their father, will be their light. That light has risen on us. God, 
we don't feel it sometimes. We get bogged down in everything and it's all really difficult and we feel like we're sweating just to be able to get through the day and we're exhausted and it's difficult and, and we don't even know what we've got to give. But Lord, you said that we who once were not your people now belong to you, belong to a tribe. And it's that tribe that you're going to use to show the principalities and powers that there is a God who rules the heavens and that God loves all his people and he doesn't label them and he doesn't say they're different categories and don't reach them because, but drive for them because they're a bit easier. Lord, we need you. We need revelation on this. We need you to, to give this. And Father, in Jesus' name, I'd like you to stand, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak this over you again. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the people. But the Lord will rise on us. And nations will come to our rising and kings to the brightness of our rising. Lord, that we will be a people who don't stand afraid any longer of what the enemy might do to us if we're not careful and if we're not safe. Lord, we're not called to be a safe people. Lord, we thank you that our God, Aslan, is not a safe God, but he's a God who calls people to go out into danger and into darkness, carrying the clean righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we go out, I commission us as a people, I commission us to be people of that revelation. Lord, that we will refuse to be afraid, that we will refuse the words of the fear mongers, which is just a spiritual force across the world. It is not who we are. And I break the power of the work of the enemy over our lives that says we have to be careful. No, we have to be God's people. We have to be people who go out further and higher and reach deeper. And in the doing of that, Lord God, that we will see people saved, such as should be saved. Lord, we will bring them in and we won't worry about cleaning them up. We'll let you do the cleaning, Lord God. We'll just bring them in. Lord, let it be unto us that as the church of Jesus Christ, we walk in victory and holiness and righteousness and love and wisdom and peace and the determination not to be afraid, but Lord, that we would have courage. Lord, let it be unto us, we pray, according to your word. Thank you, Bev. Thank you. It's such a challenge to us. Let's go out and make a difference in the world, shall we? We can't get dirty by touching up against people. Let's bring Jesus into every situation and circumstance we find ourselves in.